Support for this episode of 9 to Thrive HR is brought to you by Skillsoft. Skillsoft is the global leader in e-learning, training more professionals than any other company in the world, trusted by the world's leading organizations, including 65% of the Fortune 500. Skillsoft believes that knowledge is the fuel for innovation, and innovation is the fuel for business growth. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of 9 to Thrive HR, a podcast produced by the Human Capital Institute, where we discuss some of the most pressing issues facing talent management today. We use this platform to help surface ideas and solutions to those problems by speaking to experts and practitioners in the field. My name is Andrew Bateman. I'm going to be your host for today. Joining me is Sue Rodeman, Vice President, Product Marketing at Skillsoft. So, Sue, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Andrew. Happy to be here. So let's get started with just a little bit more about you, Sue. Could you talk to our audience a little bit about what you're currently working on and sort of how you've gotten to uh, to be uh, where you are today at Skillsoft? Absolutely. Um, I've spent about the last 15 years or so in the e-learning industry, um, originally at Element K and then the last five years at Skillsoft. Um, and in those various roles in those two organizations, I've really had the opportunity to experience and learn a tremendous amount from our customers in terms of how they um, access learning, how they use learning within their organizations, how best to optimize e-learning. And I think we've really been going through an interesting transformation over the last few years um, with new video technologies, um, new ways to serve up content, new expectations that people have. So I've been, um, I really had the opportunity to leverage some of those insights to influence our product strategy um, and really help our customers understand how best to leverage the products that we offer within their organizations. Super. Thanks for sharing that. And I think it really is a great sort of springboard for my first question, which is what do modern learners expect uh, from organizations that they really aren't providing them today? Sure. Like I said, I really think that there is a transformation going on in a lot of organizations. Um, And some of that's coming from, you know, the insights or the expectations that learners have. And I think, first off, um, every generation of learner really wants relevant and meaningful opportunities to learn. Um, And again, every generation, I think, understands that organizations are changing. They're changing quickly. Technology is influencing the products that people are serving up, um, the way they're delivering those products. And so, For employees to stay engaged and feel like they can contribute, they recognize that they need to learn. Um, So they want those opportunities, I think, from those employers. And sometimes they get them and and sometimes they don't. Um, I also think that the way they learn is changing. Um, I think they're okay with the acceptance that much of their learning needs to be self-directed. So gone are the days where there's an expectation that a manager or an L&D organization is really prescribing the steps that an employee needs to take to get to the next spot in their career. And instead, I think people are coming into the workforce with that desire to learn and the desire to have the opportunity to self-direct their learning through a variety of choices, different styles of learning, and maybe different topics of learning. Um, And then I think thirdly, their expectations of how they learn is also changing. Uh, One of the phrases we love to say and really helps guide us at Skillsoft is that uh, workplace in the workplace learners aren't leaving their consumer expectations at the door. Right outside of the workplace, we learn from YouTube, we learn from Google, um, we connect with peers, 
um, we consume content in lots of different places, like Netflix, like Amazon, like iTunes. And so the experiences we have with those kinds of platforms are the same kinds of experiences we want to have when we're learning at the workplace. So we want short bursts of learning, and we want it in an experience that is really engaging. And a lot of what you've described is uh, was the center of the webcast that we did a few weeks back, um, all about microlearning. And, and it's been something that we followed uh, here at HCI throughout the last half decade or so uh, in terms of it being a, a real trending topic uh, as it relates to L&D. And I feel like the answer is probably a combination of both and one of those situations where circumstances <laughs> arise. But I'd love for you to sort of expand a little bit on how this push for microlearning, what it really means and what it says about the preferences of the modern employee and, and sort of what you've just sort of illustrated for us. But also, how does it speak to the concept of a learning organization and how do those two sort of uh, entities, the employee and the organization, sort of meet in the middle with microlearning? Yeah, great question, because um, I really do think it's a push from both directions, right? I think it's what um, the expectations the learners have is changing, but then also the role that L&D needs to play is also changing, I think, because of lots of those different factors. Um, so one of the things that I think is interesting that's kind of fueling this change is if you think about learning from a traditional sense, it's really been about helping people acquire knowledge or gain a new skill that they need to do their job. Um, but given the advancements of technology, how information is really at our fingertips from a variety of sources, a successful employee is, is successful as much by their ability to know how to get information as it is to actually know that information. Um, so thinking about it, again, kind of from a personal experience, right, as we engage in our daily life, I might have a conversation with a friend and I might be bantering about, say, an athlete and kind of um, arguing over who's a better athlete. I can go to my mobile phone, I can look up information, and I can have statistics that immediately make me an expert on that athlete. Um, or if I don't know the details of a historical event and I'm talking about it with my kids, I can go out to Wikipedia and I can easily get that information. Right? So having those same skills, knowing how to get information that I need in my workplace, is as important as being knowledgeable and having the skills that I need to do my job. So I think that's where learning comes in. It's a blend of providing experiences, providing resources, providing bursts of learning that I can engage with and I can acquire when I need a bit of information. But it, at the same time, it's also building out skills and building out um, new knowledge um, in new ways. So it's really kind of bringing those two things together. I love what you what you talked a little bit about there when it came to the organization sort of helping instruct the workforce how to learn uh, new new behaviors and skills. And I'd love to learn more about uh, your thoughts on the organization sort of uh, enabling that environment uh, in which learning can take place. Is there something uh, that uh, you might advocate for or some sort of rules of thumb when it comes to creating that, that space for uh, self-directed learning, as you've described? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, I think, um, I think number one is this um, need for having some level of personalization to it. And with the advancement that technology has today and the amount of data that can be captured underneath technology, um, it really isn't unreasonable to think that I, as a learner, when I go to my 
place of work and I'm accessing information that it can't be personalized to me in some way. So maybe there's content that's served up that's specific to my job role, or maybe there's people that have similar um, jobs as me or jobs um, or interests as me that I'm easily connected with. So I think there should be an expectation that that's on table stakes in a lot of places in terms of the kinds of um, technology or the kinds of platforms or the you know, content delivery engines that um, learners are engaging with. Um, I also think when we're thinking about the content that needs to be served up and we start talking about microlearning in those short bursts, uh, I think there's um, then a little bit of a pendulum where people are always assuming it has to be video-based. Um, and I think video-based is great, and there's amazing things that we can do with video, um, but we shouldn't just think that a, a one type of video is the one way to serve up microlearning. I think having other kinds of books and references and connections with people and forums, and you know, it really needs to be a holistic experience that allows for multiple forms of engagement. That's a great point and something that brings me to the next uh, piece that I wanted to talk a little bit about. And and you hit on that in terms of uh, the pendulum shifting and everyone wanting to create bite-sized video chunks uh, uh, of, of content. Uh, there's also this sort of... Uh, you know, institutional knowledge and all of the things that already exist, and and perhaps there's a, a tendency to try to take something that was once maybe a, a one day training and and chunk it out into bite sized chunks and and uh, sort of use existing content to create micro learning. So obviously, you have a lot of experience in sort of uh, navigating these waters. What are some of the challenges that? need to be thought about and then eventually overcome from a learning content design perspective when it comes to bringing micro-learning to the workplace? Yeah, I think great question. Um, so a couple things, and some of it ties back to what I was just talking about. I think that there is an assumption that micro-learning is just small chunks of videos. Um, and I think video is important, like I was saying, but I think when you're approaching the videos that you're um, making available to your learners, you really need to think about what knowledge are they trying to acquire or what skill are you trying to teach or what are you trying to pass on to them and think about what's the best way to produce that video. Um, there's tons of uh, low-cost ways to produce videos. Some of those work um, in lots of settings, but not always. So I think you want to think about where can you um, you know, do interactive scenarios as an example to help illustrate a point or how can you leverage animation to keep people engaged, even if it is just three to five minutes long, um, you can zone out of a three to five minute video pretty quickly. So I think thinking about the right techniques um, within that video is really key. Um, and then beyond that, it's about what other resources do you need, right? And what are the different points in time that the learner is going to need that video? Is it learning that new skill? Is it going back to refresh on a skill? Is it um, practicing that skill? Um, so all of those steps of the learning process, I think, can be achieved from a kind of quote-unquote micro-learning perspective, um, but you've got to use different tools. Um, to engage with them in that short period of time, that's really going to get you to your most desired outcome. So lastly, Sue, I'll, I'll wrap things up with a question about uh, building the business case or, or sort of proving uh, value. So it's something we're always uh, struggling with uh, and, and fighting towards a, a, a real goal with L&D programs. So what are some of the opportunities that you have seen for L&D to add measurable value to the organization through 
a more focused application of some of these new learning methods? Sure. Um, you know, one of the things that we've seen and, and heard a lot from our customers is that that role of an instructional designer is changing. Um, and some people are transitioning them into being content curators, um, which I think is interesting. I think learning experience designers is another interesting way to look at it. Um, but it's really about not just putting a learning program in place or designing a learning program, but I think it's about creating that whole experience, right, that leverages technology, that leverages content together in a way that becomes personalized to the individual um, that's uh, trying to learn. And so um, I think that's shifting the role that those IDs or the folks within the learning organization have. Um, and then on top of that, I think, right, that, that um, effort to measure the value of learning has always been a challenge um, for folks, but I think it's leveraging um, those new experiences and the way people are learning and the way they're connecting with people and potentially the data underneath that to think differently about what outcome are you getting from the learning, right? Are you impacting the business in a new way? Are you growing somebody's career? Are you keeping them more engaged in the workplace because they're given opportunities um, to advance? So I think looking at it from those angles and using the data, using the collaboration, using the feedback from the learners to continue to support that is key. Absolutely. I love what you said about communicating the value. Obviously, that's got to be a two-way feedback loop in terms of what the learners need and then what value they're getting out of the, uh, the newly created content. So. Uh, I really appreciate you you bringing that up. I think that's a great uh, point. Sue, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you joining us today. My pleasure. We would also like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you've enjoyed what you've heard. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel, HCI Talent. Lastly, one more big thank you to Skillsoft. Without their generous support, HCI wouldn't be able to deliver great content like this. And if you're interested in learning more about microlearning, you can find more resources at hci.org. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of HCI, I'm Andrew Bateman.